1992 was a magnificent year for moviegoers. Some of the most well-known, well-received, and beloved films of the 1990s came out that year, including, but not limited to, Ladybugs, starring my sister's junior high age crush, Jonathan Brandis, Beethoven, Mighty Ducks, The Bodyguard, which was one of my sister's first CDs, Three Ninjas, which I was obsessed with, A League of Their Own, Sister Act, Radio Flyer, which I'm still emotionally trying to recover from, and Aladdin. In the summer of 1992, my sister and I spent a few weeks staying with our grandparents, and they took us to see both Sister Act and A League of Their Own at the theater, and we loved both films. 1992 also marked the release of one of me and my sister's all-time favorite and cult classic films, Wayne's World. As a matter of fact, for many years, my sister had a Wayne's World keychain that she purchased at Claire's Boutique, if I'm remembering correctly, and it said, way, on one side, and no way, on the other. I also attempted to kind of dress like Wayne and Garth when I was in middle school, which didn't work out so well. I tried to rock the black Chuck Taylors, torn jeans, band shirt, and plaid shirt, I definitely did not pull that off as well as Mike Myers and Dana Carvey did, but it was worth a shot. With that being said, on today's show, we'll be discussing the synopsis cast and some of the -the behind-the-scenes details of one of the highest-grossing films based off of an SNL skit, Wayne's World. So grab your heavy metal band t-shirt, your casingle of Bohemian Rhapsody, and your way, no way keychain. Here we go. Hello, and thank you so very much for tuning into the Pop Culture Retrospective Podcast, a show inspired by, and in memory of, my big sister Rebecca, and her love for all things pop culture, especially the people, places, and things of the 1980s, 1990s, and early 2000s. My name is Amy Lewis, and I am your captain aboard this pop culture time machine. You are tuning into episode number 28, Wayne's World, a true cult classic film that has incredible rewatchability almost 30 years after it was first released. On February 14th of 1992, there were several places you could have taken your date on Valentine's Day. Perhaps that could have been to a nice restaurant like the Sizzler for a nice steak, or for the health conscious, the salad bar. Or maybe you went out for an adult beverage at TGI Fridays. Or maybe you made an excellent choice to see Wayne's World. Sorry, I had to say that like Wayne. If you did make that excellent choice, I'm sure you thoroughly enjoyed the movie because you were not distracted by people using their cell phones. Then again, maybe a beeper could have gone off. Anyways, here's a bit of a synopsis on Wayne's World with some spoiler alerts. This is from Roger Ebert, who was one of the most well-respected movie critics of our time. In the Chicago Sun-Times, where he wrote for at least three decades, I believe, he said, quote, The movie is inspired by Saturday Night Live's long-running parody of local access cable TV. Wayne's World originates with the paneled basement room of its host, Wayne Campbell, Mike Myers, who looks to be in his late 20s but still lives at home with his parents in Aurora. 
Wayne's sidekick is Scarth Algar, Dana Carvey, looking uncannily like Art Johnson and operating with the brain of a clever seven-year-old. The two of them interview strange guests, drool over posters of their favorite models, and use the word excellent a whole lot. Writers Myers, Bonnie Turner, and Terry Turner have grafted a plot of overwhelming predictability. An ad executive, Rob Lowe, spots their show and sees it as the ideal vehicle for a client, Ryan Doyle Murray, who owns a chain of video arcades. Wayne and Garth don't want to sell out for the big bucks, individual cashier's checks for $5,000, but get outsmarted. And meanwhile, Wayne falls in love with a foxy Chinese chick, Tia Carrera, who is a lead singer in a heavy metal band. Of course, Lowe tries to win her away from him, which leads to the final emotional showdown, etc., etc. Wayne's World ran for 95 minutes, and it is rated PG-13. As Ebert mentioned, Wayne's World was based off of a skit of the same name that became incredibly popular on Saturday Night Live. The bit first appeared on the show in 1989. It was the last sketch of the night on that episode. Audiences loved the skit, and it went on to becoming a popular and reoccurring sketch on the show. Wayne Campbell is played by Mike Myers. Mike Myers was born on May 25, 1963 in Scarborough, Canada. His father was an office supervisor, and his mom was a veteran of the Royal Air Force. He has two older brothers, Paul and Peter. I didn't realize this, but Myers was actually a child star. Coincidentally, he once starred in a commercial with Gildan Radner, who was also a comedic genius who was on SNL. He got his start in comedy with Second City Canada. He went on to star in SNL from 1989 to 1995. In addition to playing the character of Wayne, some of Meyer's popular skits on the show included Coffee Talk with Linda Richmond, Sprockets, and Philip the Hyperactive Child Who Wears a Helmet. Wayne's best friend and other main character in the film is Garth Elgar, who is played by Dana Carvey. Carvey was born on June 2, 1955 in Missoula, Montana. He is one of five children. His mother, Billy, was a school teacher, and his dad, Bud, was a high school business teacher. As a child and teenager, he played the drums and ran cross-country. Carvey attended college for broadcast communications. He got into acting more heavily in the 1980s, where he had a number of television and film roles. He joined the cast of SNL in 1986 and remained a beloved cast member until his departure in 1993. In addition to Garth, some of his other well-known characters on SNL included Church Lady, which was based off of some of the women that he went to church with growing up, Hans from Hans and Franz, Ross Perot, and George H.W. Bush. Tia Carrera played the role of Cassandra Wong, a musician and Wayne's love interest in the film. Carrera was born on January 2nd, 1967 in Honolulu, Hawaii. She is the daughter of Audrey Lee Gennaro, who was a computer supervisor, and Alexandra Gennaro, who was a banker. She is of Spanish, Filipino, and Chinese heritage. She first started acting when she was a teenager. She actually once auditioned for Star Search, which was an awesome show. I think that came on before Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach on Sundays. But sadly, she was eliminated. She got her first big break on General Hospital. Rob Lowe played the role of Benjamin Kane, who is an ad executive in the film. Rob Lowe was born on March 17, 1964, in Charlottesville, Virginia, to parents Barbara Lynn, who was a schoolteacher, and Charles, who was a lawyer. Apparently, Lowe is actually deaf in his right ear as a result of a virus he had as an infant. 
Like Herrera, Lowe started acting as a teenager. In his early 20s, Lowe's hair started to go gray, and uh, apparently he has been dyeing it ever since. Lowe rose to fame in the 1980s due to him being a part of the Brad Pack, which was a young group of actors who starred in a lot of films during that decade, including Emilio Estevez, Demi Moore, Andrew McCarthy, etc. Other members of the cast who we'll just touch on briefly for a moment here include Laura Finn Bloyle, who played Stacy, Wayne's ex-girlfriend, Chris Farley, who played a security guard, Ed O'Neill, who played Glenn, the manager of a coffee donut shop that Wayne and Garth frequented, Lee Turgenson, who played Terry, he helps with the Wayne's World show, Brian Doyle Murray plays Noah Vanderhoff, who owns a chain of arcades that sponsors the Wayne's World show, Meatloaf plays a security guard named Tiny, and Kurt Fuller plays Russell Finley, who is a producer on a lot of Benjamin's projects, the Benjamin again being played by Rob Lowe in the movie. Now that you have a synopsis of the film, in case it's been a while since you've seen it, or if you haven't seen it at all, let's get to some behind-the-scenes information. Most of what I will be describing, though, will be best understood and appreciated if you have already seen the movie, so just kind of keep that in mind. But with that being said, here we go. First of all, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Wayne's World was an incredibly popular film based off of an SNL skit. It is the only SNL movie to gross over $100 million other than The Blues Brothers, which came out in 1980. The cast and crew had just over a month to film the movie and had a budget of about $20 million. I'm guessing Myers and Carvey got more than just $5,000 to do the movie. Get it? (laughs) Watch the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. And to all of you who know what I am referring to, thank you for understanding. You really get me. Anyways, the character of Wayne Campbell was developed when Mike Myers was a young man. At one point early in his career, he starred on a show called It's Only Rock and Roll, which was on CBC Variety. Originally, the skit was called Wayne's Power Minute. He based the character off of older kids he thought were cooler than him that he often saw at parties. When he got the role on SNL, he brought the character with him and tweaked it a bit. He added the element of Wayne hosting a show on a local cable access channel because Myers apparently found these channels amusing whenever he visited the United States and watched TV. Garth's character is based off of Dana Carvey's real-life brother, Brad, Growing up, Brad was very mechanically inclined and could fix pretty much anything. Whenever Carvey's parents praised Brad for doing something helpful or fixing something, he'd crack a tight smile and would quietly say, Thanks. Apparently, Carvey sort of regretted utilizing the tight, awkward smile and overbite that his brother was notorious for in his Garth character. It sounds like it caused a lot of jaw pain if he had to do it for extended periods of time. The infamous gun rack scene where Stacy tries to win Wayne back by purchasing him one was actually based off of real life. Mike Myers was once in a relationship with a woman, and they broke up. Apparently, it was because he was just too into comedy and was too busy. She attempted to win him back by purchasing him a gun rack. She thought that was pretty hilarious, but he did not. They did not end up getting back together. I was not able to confirm whether or not the scene where Stacy hits a car with her bike while being distracted by saying hi to Wayne was based on real life. It would be awesome if it was, though. It's a great scene. There's also a very famous scene in the movie, probably the most well-known scene, where Wayne and his friends are driving to the heavy metal club that they frequent. During the car ride, they sing along to Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. 
Originally, the movie studio wanted them to use a Guns N' Roses song. Mike Myers allegedly threatened to quit if they didn't use the Queen song. I mean, could you imagine what that would have been like if Welcome to the Jungle was used or Sweet Child Mine? Sorry. Anyways, thankfully, Myers won this argument. I can't imagine that song not being used, and I think the only reason why I am even familiar with that song in the first place is because of Wayne's World. I mean, I know Queen, but Bohemian Rhapsody is not a song that I was familiar with prior to this movie's release. Dana Carvey apparently didn't know the lyrics to Bohemian Rhapsody and didn't learn them in time for filming, so so when they cut to him during that scene and he is lip-syncing terribly, he is not pretending. I think it's a very endearing moment for the Garth character who I adore when he's not singing along appropriately, but apparently he was very upset that the clip was used in the film. Freddie Mercury did approve of the song being used in the movie, but he sadly passed away before it was released in theaters. Thankfully, though, Mike Myers had sent him some clips as they were filming. With the song being featured in the film, it reached more popularity than when it was originally released. As a matter of fact, the song shot to number two on the Billboard Hot 100. Both Myers and Carvey allegedly dealt with neck pain as a result of all the headbanging they did especially during the infamous Bohemian Rhapsody scene. Nonetheless, this scene was not only an homage to Queen, but also to Meyer's adolescence as he and his friends used to jam out to this classic song while they were driving around the mean, mean streets of Ontario. Wayne's World is set in Aurora, Illinois, which is an actual city outside of Chicago. It's about 45 or so minutes away. There weren't many, if any, scenes actually filmed in Aurora, Illinois, but Myers somehow heard of the city and liked how it sounded. Originally, when the film was written, it was set in Scarborough, Ontario. Most of it was filmed in the Los Angeles area, but apparently some of the shots used in the scene where Wayne, Garth, and their friends are lip-syncing to Bohemian Rhapsody were shot in various locations in the greater Chicagoland area. One spot that Wayne and Garth frequent in the movie is a place called the Gasworks Bar. It is actually based off of a real nightclub, which was in Toronto, Canada. Wayne describes it as an excellent heavy metal bar and always a babe fest. As I mentioned a bit earlier, Chris Farley starred in Wayne's World. He played a security guard at the Alice Cooper concert that Wayne and Garth go to. It was his first film role, and it was definitely memorable, as he uses a lot of deliberate and impassioned hand gestures during his conversation with Wayne and Garth, and he's telling them about where a music executive is headed after a concert. He's only in the movie for about a minute or so, but his short spot was certainly unforgettable. Speaking of Alice Cooper, he also had a short but memorable role in the film, In case you have forgotten, in the concert scene, Wayne and Garth get a chance to go backstage to do a meet-and-greet with the band, and Cooper goes off on a long-winded tangent about the origins of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is where the concert was set. Allegedly, Cooper didn't know he was going to be acting in the film or saying any lines. He thought he would just be singing. And the tangent he goes off on isn't too far-fetched, as Cooper is allegedly a huge history buff. Since Wayne's World was such a popular movie, it of course spawned some merchandise and inspired a theme park ride, believe it or not. First, there was a video game called, what else? Wayne's World, that was created for Nintendo, Sega, Game Boy, and Super Nintendo, and by the time this game came out, in 1993, 
my sister and I had pretty much zero interest in video games, so we didn't have this game and I didn't play it. Apparently, the game was pretty cheesy because in the Super Nintendo version, in one level, Wayne is chased by evil donuts and coffee cups in Stan Makita's donut shop. In another level, he is chased by musical instruments like bagpipes, clarinets, and kazoos. And in yet another level, Wayne and Garth find themselves at the gasworks and they are attacked by bar stools, disco balls, and darts. What? That sounds horrible. I am sadly not making this up. And a shameless plug. If you want to learn the fascinating story of Nintendo, check out episode number five of the Pop Culture Retrospective. Also of note, uh, there was once a roller coaster called the Hurler, which you could ride at one of the two amusement parks once owned by Paramount Pictures, King's Dominion, which was in Virginia, and Carowinds, which was in South Carolina. Many of the most memorable scenes in the movie were completely improvised. For example, in the scene where Wayne and Garth are laying on Garth's car, waiting for an airplane to fly overhead, and Garth asks Wayne if he thought Bugs Bunny was attractive when he dressed up as a woman, were all improvised. Thankfully, the camera crew was able to capture Meyer's confused and genuine laughter, which was used in the final cut of the film. During the 25th anniversary of the film, there was a pop-up replica of Stan Makita's Donuts, a replica of Wayne's basement at the local community college, and Wayne and Garth's wigs on display at the library, all in Aurora, Illinois. There was a sequel to Wayne's World called Wayne's World 2, but it wasn't as popular as the original. I know I have seen this movie, but I believe it was only one time when it first came out. It was certainly hard to beat the first one. There's long been a rumor that Nirvana was slated to appear in Wayne's World 2, as grunge was really starting to take over in popularity in the rock music genre over heavy metal. After reportedly seeing some clips from Wayne's World 2, Kurt Cobain axed the idea as he thought it wasn't all that impressive, the footage that he saw. That being said, Cobain was apparently a huge fan of the first film. Shameless plug again, if you want to learn more about the history of Nirvana and their significant impact on the world of music, please check out episode number 13 of the Pop Culture Retrospective. Back to the show. Following Wayne's World, many of the main characters in the movie went on to continued professional success. Myers would go on to star in a multitude of well-known roles, including the Austin Powers series of films, where he plays multiple characters, voicing Shrek, and a host of additional acting credits. I found out that apparently Chris Farley was supposed to do the voice of Shrek, but sadly he passed away before the film came to fruition. In 2012, Myers semi-retired from acting. Dana Carvey would go on to host his own sketch comedy show called The Dana Carvey Show. It was short-lived, but certainly funnier than it was given credit for. The show helped launch the careers of Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell. I watched a few clips recently to refresh my memory, and it was a pretty decent show for its time. I did watch it when it originally aired, but that was over 20 years ago, so I didn't quite remember much. Anyways, I watched a sketch that both Carell and Colbert were in, and they play waiters that get nauseated whenever they have to discuss the menu options with patrons, and it's quite funny. Carvey had an opportunity to host a late-night talk show, but he turned it down in favor of being around and available for his kids, which I really appreciated. 
He has starred in a few movies, but he has said that he enjoys doing stand-up the most and often does corporate gigs, which are apparently quite lucrative. I forgot how amazing he is at doing impressions. He does a spot on Barack Obama, Donald Trump, Michael Caine, and Paul McCartney, among many others. Rob Lowe has gone on to many impressive acting credits since Wayne's World, including The West Wing, Parks and Recreation, and several made-for-TV movies like Killing Kennedy and The Christmas Blessing, and also feature films like all three of the Austin Powers films and Behind the Candelabra. Tia Carrera has also continued to act and sing post-Wayne's World. Side note, she did all of her own singing in the movie. She has starred in many films including True Lies, Lilo and Stitch, and probably the most emotionally demanding and profound film of her career, Aloha, Scooby-Doo. Or as my son would say, Aloha, Ubi-Scoo. I hope you've enjoyed this look back on the cult classic film Wayne's World, which continues to be one of my go-to movies when I feel nostalgic or just need to watch a fun and somewhat mindless, in a good way, comedy. There's just something very comfortable about it, like a warm blanket or your favorite sweater. If ever there was a film that I find myself quoting for no apparent reason, it's Wayne's World. Quotes such as, What I'd really love is to do Wayne's World for a living. It might happen. Yeah, and monkeys might fly it on my butt. And I once thought I had mono for an entire year. It turned out I was just really bored. And I don't even own a gun, let alone many guns that would necessitate an entire rack. And sometimes I wish I could boldly go where no man's gone before, but I'll probably stay in Aurora. And it's like a new pair of underwear. At first they're restrictive, but then after a while they become a part of you. And if you're going to spew, spew into this. And finally, my personal favorite, I mean, we're looking down on Wayne's basement. Only that's not Wayne's basement. Isn't that weird? If you are enjoying the Pop Culture Retrospective podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. Please also rate the podcast as it helps direct more listeners to this amazing show that travels down memory lane. You can contact me anytime my email address is popcultureretrospective at gmail.com, or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at popcultureretro. I hope you will join me for my next show where we will be discussing phone technology from the 80s and 90s, which was inspired by a listener of the show. Until then, be kind, be safe, and hold on to your memories. <laughs>